Welcome to Homelessness Matters Season 2, a podcast by Emmaus. This season, we want to ask important questions about homelessness and how it's connected to wider society. Is there more to homelessness than what you see on the street? What can cause someone to lose their home? And how does the way our society works prevent people from accessing affordable housing? In each episode, we'll explore a different topic. You'll hear from people who have experienced homelessness and have been supported by one of 30 Emmaus charities across the UK, experts who can explain each topic in more detail, and we'll get a snapshot of what the public thinks about these crucial issues facing the country today. In episode one, we'll be asking the question, why does homelessness happen? We'll speak to Radic, who found himself in unstable housing after unexpectedly moving to the UK from the Czech Republic at just 10 years old. After leaving education at a very early age, Radic found himself getting into trouble with the police and eventually his own family, leaving him without a place to call home. We'll talk to him about the many factors at play that led to him having to live on the street and the many barriers that he faced. We'll also talk to Emmaus UK's Chief Executive Charlotte Talbot about how so many things about the modern world, from a sudden divorce to the smallest changes in government policy, can leave someone without a place to live. Before we begin, a warning that this episode contains themes some people may find upsetting, including references to suicide. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and and thank you for offering to share your story with us. Uh, So firstly, if we could talk a little bit about uh, your life before Emmaus and and before you lost your home, um, because your experience with homelessness started quite young. My dad gone when I was six years old. I left year five in Czech in school. My mum asked me to if we can visit my nan in the UK. So we said, yeah, and but we didn't know we were going to stay here 15 years. <laughs> yeah, so you came, you came over here from the Czech Republic when, uh, when you were 10, is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. when I was 10. But yeah. we wasn't planning staying here for that long because my mum told me we was coming here for holidays only. They did over 15 years now. Wow. And I moved to UK. It's been different. Like, hope everything changed. How, how so? So when I come to UK first, it was me and my siblings and we came with auntie and uncle. My mum stayed in Czech for a few months before she came. So we lived at my nan's house. That was two bedroom house, but there was already a f- my auntie living there, my grandma and granddad. There was three families in two bedroom house. And it was very hard to manage in two bedroom house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I imagine it, it must have been really busy, like you wouldn't have the privacy and... and like there was, there was no beds, there was just mattresses on the floor in the bedrooms, that's it. Yeah, that must have been a tough situation. And, and would you say living in that sort of situation that might be a bit unstable and, um, and, and quite hectic, would, would that put barriers up in place? Yeah, like when I, when I seen it the first time that like we got to live together, like three families, I thought, no, this is not good. Car lived together like this. And then it took about six months until my mum got decision that she can claim benefits. And as soon as she's got the money, she applied for housing. And then we got a house. And I've got like four sisters, I've got three brothers as well, yeah. And she wasn't treating us all the same. Right. So she's treating my big brother and my little sister the most. And she didn't look at the others. I was I was the trouble kid. I was a trouble kid, I was and so, uh, and, and being being the trouble kid, obviously, yeah, you you get into trouble all the time. Um, yeah, all the time. And uh, when you were a teenager, um, that that's around the time that you became homeless. Is that right? You got you got kicked out. What did that feel like? You know, not having that that sort of security, that place to go. I felt 
felt bad because I was, I was in a different country and I'm on the street. I didn't know what to do. And I imagine like being young, that, that must have um, yeah, had like extra barriers on top of it. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, it was. I didn't know where to go, nowhere. I tried my aunties, everyone, but they didn't let me in. And, and so you, you ended up on the street. Um, what sort of barriers did you face um, when you were there? I had no passport as well, not for me to get a work place. So I started working cash in hand. And sometimes I went to work, sometimes I didn't go to work. Because sometimes I didn't feel like going because I was dirty, because I had nowhere to take a shower. Sometimes I didn't go. And um, like, when you're in that situation, what, what sort of support did you find out there from people? If, if Actually, any... I didn't find no support of no one. I had to do it on my own. There was no support of no one. And I tried to ask for help. They was ignoring me every time. So I had to do it on my own with my friend. So uh, you, you would have left college, would, would that be around around 16? Yes, 16. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then that was around the time... Uh, yeah, yeah, that you found I yourself... Stop, like, you literally, know. I finished first year of the course. Yeah. I passed it. Then there was another option to go do level two, but I couldn't do it because I was homeless. I had no... I had to stop it. So, I, I so, wanted to, to do it. I wanted to go to uni and be a chef, but I couldn't do it because I was homeless, so I had to stop the college. So becoming homeless just, just put a complete stop yeah. to, to your education yeah. and being able to, like, move on. Yeah. So that's why I started working cash in hand. And so uh, uh, at one point you, you decided to uh, leave the UK and go back to the Czech Republic, is that right? Yeah, when I was 18, I thought I had it enough in there. I can start new life in Czech with my dad because I didn't see my dad 14 years. So I thought I might as well try it in Czech. So I moved to Czech, found myself a job there. It was okay for six months. Then there was this girl on Facebook and she told me she's moving to UK in right. Wyfield. And right. I thought Wyfield's not far from God. And so she like moved to England, back to England or no. So I decided to move back to England again. And we split up and I was on the street again. So, so yeah, you, you found yourself street homeless for, for the second time. Um, were, was there any difference that time or, or was it a pretty similar experience? Mm, it was different because I was on my own that time. And Literally, I didn't talk to none, none of my family because uh, I didn't like the way they left me like that. And there was other people around Garton telling them, telling my mum and my grandma, your, your, your son's sleeping outside in the park. And they didn't care. Wow. You know what I mean? So I didn't support to none of them, not even my sisters, not even my brothers, no one. I was just like, I've got, I got to do it on my own. What, what was that like, that, that isolation? Well, sometimes I had a feeling to kill myself, to be honest with you. Been there a few times, like to jump off the bridge, to kill myself because I couldn't handle it no more. Because when you see when you got a family around you, but no one's helping you, and you, and I know I'm not a bad person, and I've got a few people around me telling me I'm not a bad person, but the way that my family looked at me. Around that time, you were also struggling to find work still, yeah, and you what, what sort no, of barriers were there were there to trying to find a job? I had no passport, so indeed, so I couldn't start work. Financially, did you did you get any support? No, um, not at all. At some point, shortly after that, you, you would have found out about Emmaus um, and, and applying to the community here in Salford. A spa worker called Claire, she told me about Emmaus. She said, you can live here, you'll, you'll work for them and you'll get some cash as well. Yeah. So I went for it. I, I thought that was my next step in my life, you know. And, and so like the, the 
financial side of it, would you say was like a um, a big incentive? So it was like a stepping stone. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a big step. It's a big step that I get to work and I get to manage the money, you know what I mean? Because I never, like, respect the money. If we if we talk about, like, the sort of present day, um, what what are your plans? To be honest with you, not long ago, I got a great news saying I've got a full status. I've got to remain in this country. Waiting for yeah. that 18 months. Even I've been here 15 years in this country. Been waiting eighteen more to get the decision. Wow! So and um, and what does that mean in, in in practical terms for people who might not understand? I'm gonna be able to claim benefits now, and I can get a housing. So I told people in MAs that I will be leaving straight away. I'll be leaving after Christmas, and I just want my own place. That's it. Nothing yeah. else. Yeah, like a fresh start. Yeah, I'll start from January. Fresh start from January. I don't want nothing else for my life, just to own my own place and to be on my own, nothing else. A really interesting chat there with Radic about how growing up in that unstable environment at home and at school affected his situation later on in life, but also how Emmaus has helped him move on from his past and focus on his future. So hearing from Radic, I wanted to speak to Emmaus UK's Chief Executive Charlotte Talbot about the many different things which can cause someone to lose their home and what we as a society can do to improve people's chances of avoiding that situation. In a hark back to the pandemic, we spoke over a Zoom call. Charlotte, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. So we we heard from Radek there uh, quite a lot of self-blame, um, which you know, it can be quite common um, in experiences of homelessness. Uh, but do you think it's fair to say that external factors can play a huge role in the way that people might not realise? Absolutely. Uh, the housing system in this country is at crisis point. Uh, there's a third more people sleeping on the streets now than there was 10 years ago. There's a chronic shortage of social homes as successive governments have not built adequate numbers of new social homes. Um, and yeah. so many private renters are, are worried about the stability of their accommodation. Um, a part of that's about the cost of living crisis. Um, but also the system doesn't currently provide sufficient protections to people who are living in a rent, in rented accommodation. Um, so people are in fear of being evicted and ending up without a, a stable home. Um, you know, rents are, are set at unaffordable levels um, and, and often with really high upfront costs. Um, and there's been changes to the local housing allowance which makes access to suitable accommodation uh, suitable accommodation impossible for many people yeah absolutely and it and it is impossible i just uh, uh, with with Radic's situation there and it, and it is quite common that that he ended up living with lots of different people um in in the same house what what kind of impact does that that have on somebody well, I mean, so many people uh, who do manage to access accommodation are living in really poor conditions. Um, they're very cramped. Uh, there's too many people living in uh, the accommodation. Um, and, you know, there are over a quarter of a million people stuck in temporary accommodation, including in hostels, hotels and bed and breakfasts. And you can only imagine the impact that that has on people's mental well-being and and on their ability to 
live a normal life and and you know one of the the, the, the saddest things is the number of children that are living in those types of uh, circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. It's awful. So I, I suppose those being in, in those sort of conditions, it can impact in, in ways that you might not realise decisions that you make. Well, I th- yeah, absolutely. I, and I think that, you know, very often um, people are living in unsuitable and unstable accommodation and um, end up, uh, you know, living in those conditions for a very, very long period of time. Or like in Radic's situation, end up on the streets. Um, And I think there are particular issues that are faced by people who have moved to the UK from other countries um, so many people will not have access to public funds or the essential services that they need whilst they establish their rights to reside and work in this country. And as we heard from Radic, you know, this can lead to to destitution and to to despair. Yeah. And and so I, I think what, what you're describing here from, from all angles, it seems like the system and the way that it's currently set up, it just isn't working at the minute. I think that's why, you know, the housing system is at breaking point. Um, and what we need is a genuine commitment from government to prioritise this issue. You know, a stable home is a basic human right. And we need this to be recognised by the government, um, but also to see the necessary investment and legislative changes to ensure that this basic human right is in place for everyone. And and what is Emmaus currently doing to relieve pressures on the system where, where it's currently not working? Well, Emmaus offers a unique, unique solution to homelessness. Um, for many people who have experienced the most acute forms of homelessness, uh, loneliness, a lack of confidence and trauma are, are very common issues. And, and we heard from Radic about this, the, the distress that he'd experienced So Emmaus doesn't just offer a bed for the night. We offer somewhere to live, the opportunity to rebuild confidence and develop skills in our social enterprises, but also that all-important sort of connections and relationships that are developed within our supportive community settings And I think one of the really interesting things that Emmaus does, which is really unique, is it offers people the opportunity to give back and to support others in their local communities. And I think it's this unique combination which makes Emmaus work for so many people. Yeah, so so it's it's not just impacting uh, directly on on those people; they're going on and uh, impacting on other people's lives as well. So um, yeah, it it must be doing doing a lot so how, how do you see Emmaus going forward trying to uh, attempt to fix some of the 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 bits in the system which are broken well I think um, people become homeless for a wide range of reasons and therefore people who have experienced homelessness require access to a range of different solutions hmm. uh, we recognize that what Emmaus currently offers is only part of the answer and with such a a sort of complex picture we need to work alongside other homelessness services local authorities health and social care services to ensure that the right responses are in place for people in a range of different circumstances when they find themselves without a home so i suppose firstly 
at Emmaus, we're committed to developing new services and new approaches in order that we can help more people. But secondly, because so many of the issues that lead to homelessness or are barriers to people moving away from homelessness are related to the systems that are in place in this country, we also need to take action on that system. So we need to shout louder and we need to be part of a collective voice that ensures that tackling homelessness is a priority. So at MS UK, we're currently exploring how we can amplify the voices of people experiencing homelessness and advocate for the changes that they want to see. So just going back to what, what you said before, it, it sounded like um, there, there was a call for organisations to be working closer together. Um, so are, are, is that currently happening um, in some places um, or, or is that very much like an ambition? No, I mean, yeah, absolutely. So I think homelessness providers recognize that we all have a part to play we're all part of a of an ecosystem if you like that provides different responses to um support and work alongside people in different circumstances um and it's really important that we continue to work together in that way to ensure that we've got the right systems and the right support and then in terms of sort of influencing you know having a collective voice is really important so we at MS UK have um, supported and participated in campaigns that have been led by Homeless Link, by Crisis, by Shelter and by others um, so that we are able to add our voice to um, those issues that are really important to the people that we're working with. If there was one issue that you wanted to change, just one thing that you wanted to change in the next few years, what would it be? Wow, gosh, that's a that's <laughs> that's, that's a really tricky question. I, I suppose I would go back to some of the points that I made earlier. Really, you know, we need to see the building of more new social homes. We need to see the strengthening of renters' rights. We need to see the numbers of people stuck in temporary accommodation enabled to move on from that um, temporary accommodation. And I think we need to think about the diversity of of experience. So, um, you know, for example, with regards to the response to women who are, you know, they, they, they make up the bulk of, of, of statutory homelessness cases. And, um, you know, there are many issues that are specific to or disproportionately affect women, you know, one of those being domestic abuse, um, for example. So yeah. uh, I, I know I've dodged the question there, but I, 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 <laughs> I, think, I think that there are a number of things taken together that need to happen in order to be able to uh, effectively address the challenges that 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 we're seeing in the system today. Absolutely, and and it was re- really interesting what you were saying there about the 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 bulk of statutory homelessness cases being women, um, mm-hmm. because I think for most people, if they were asked to picture a person experiencing homelessness in their minds, they would likely think of a middle aged man sleeping on the street of a major town or city. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not entirely reflective of the situation, is it? Absolutely not. No, homelessness can affect anyone um and i think it's sort of rough sleeping is the very visible part of 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 homelessness but it really is just the tip of the iceberg so you know 
as I said, women's homelessness makes up the majority of, of all recorded homelessness when you take into account families in temporary accommodation, sofa surfing, rough sleeping, but also women's homelessness, particularly rough sleeping, can often be hidden. Um, so we know that women make up the majority, you know, two thirds of statutory homeless people um, and, and single mothers similarly make up two thirds of all um, statutory homeless families. Um, there are over 130,000 children living in temporary accommodation and a similar number of young people approached their local authority for help last year. Um, with regards to to homelessness, so you know, as I say, homelessness can affect anyone. Yeah, and and obviously the, those numbers in increasing, I think I think records some of them. Um, so clearly the the stuff that is in place at the moment um, to try and prevent that situation from happening just doesn't seem to be doing the job. Yeah, and I, and I have to give credit to to all of the MS organisations in the UK, but also to our our peer organisations and who are working really really hard to um, tackle homelessness in this in in this country. You know, I've, I'm really pleased to see the development of services specifically to women. You know, really fantastic and creative services working with people who don't have access to public funds but what we need to see is the, the the government commitment the financial investment in order that we can tackle this problem for good and so go, going back to the the individuals affected by homelessness what what sort of barriers do you think um some people um you know whether it's you know ethnic minorities or um you know people uh, of certain sexualities or religions what what kind of barriers do they uh, face that other people don't that, that could put them more at risk from from ending up on the street so i think some of the sort of systemic problems that we've that you know that we've talked about will will affect everyone but there are you know everybody has a unique experience so if for example you were to talk about lgbtq plus people then we know that Issues around um, people coming out within the family home can lead to young people, a disproportionate number of LGBT people, young people experiencing homelessness. Um, we know, as I've said, that there are very specific issues that affect women. So it's really important that services are inclusive, firstly, but also that we recognise the very specific routes into homelessness that are experienced by people and also the additional barriers that might be in place um, for a whole range of reasons. And finally, if there's somebody listening to this who um, perhaps is one of those hidden homeless, as you might call them so, so not necessarily on, on the street, but, you know, sleeping on their friend's sofa or in their car, um, what piece of advice would you give them? Well, I think to anybody who's experiencing difficulties, reach out, approach your local authority, get in contact with a homelessness service in your in your local area. Um, but also, I'd make a call to society generally. You know, we're in a position, we're just coming up to uh, a, a general election. And, uh, you know, everybody in society has the opportunity to engage with campaigns, to talk to their local MPs and to make homelessness 
a central issue for the new government. Charlotte, thanks so much. Thanks a lot for joining us. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, you can head to our website where you'll find a range of resources and organisations that offer support and advice. Go to emmaus.org.uk forward slash podcast. If you liked episode one and want to keep listening, episode two has just been released, where we talk about some of those common life pressures which can unwittingly build up and when it gets too much, can leave someone without a place to live. From there, we'll be releasing episodes every two weeks until early December. So stick with us and we'd love it if you shared our podcast and left us a review. See you next time.